Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading comes to us from Matthew, chapter 23, verses 25 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading today comes from Luke 17, 20 to 21. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is within you. The word of the Lord. So I think I need to begin by saying, you made it. Here we are, congratulations, we are at Celebration Sunday. Celebration Sunday is an important milestone because it's one that many youth have achieved before you, and it's one that many youth will achieve after you're gone. And so I think the question that we are trying to answer this morning is, why is this an important milestone in your life? Why did you go to all the classes? with TC? Why'd you spend all that time with him? Why'd you have all the conversations with teachers and peers? Why'd you go on trips to other houses of worship? Why did you sacrifice your weekends to go on retreats? Why did you do all of these things? And I'm sure some of you are sitting there saying, I'm not sure why we did all of that. But our intent, our hope, was that you would begin a process of coming to discover what it is that you believe to be true about God, Jesus and the church. Your goal was to ask yourself the question over and over again. Does this make sense to me? Not, does this make sense to my parents? Sorry, parents, but that's what they should be asking. Not, does this make sense to my friends? Does this make sense to me? And I remember when I was your age, it didn't make sense to me. I remember sitting exactly where you are today and I was staring up at the pastor talking about this, and I thought to myself, I am here because my parents want me to be here. At the time that I was going through all this, I was in seventh grade. I can tell you that if it had been up to me, I wouldn't have gone through the process at all, because at that time, the church, to be perfectly honest with you, really wasn't all that important to me. I went to church because my parents went to church. It was a priority to them, and so I was getting dragged along, and that's okay. I mean, I know my parents were trying to do good things for me. Like, you guys know that, right? Like, you know, your parents, they're trying to do something good for you by bringing you here. But to be perfectly honest with you, church felt like a waste of an hour at the time, truthfully, because the sermons They were super boring, so it was very hard for me to pay attention. When I could pay attention, I didn't really understand what the pastor was talking about. When I did understand what the pastor was talking about, I didn't feel it was all that applicable to my life. Now, I'm under no illusion that you have not felt that way about my sermons at some point in time. I mean, come on. I've been where you are 
and no hard feelings, by the way. But I remember sitting where you are and looking at my parents, right? And my parents, they seemed to be like they were locked in. They were paying attention to what was going on. And what I found out many years later is that wasn't even really true. So about 10 years ago, I'd just gotten ordained as a pastor, and I noticed that my mom and dad, they weren't really going to church anymore. And so I went, and I sat down with my dad. I'm like, Dad, what's up with this? You're not going to church anymore. What's the deal? And he said, well, Alex, once your grandmother died, well, we really didn't need to go anymore. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, hold the phone. So all this time, we were going to church because of Grandma, and he admitted to me, he's like, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> said if it hadn't been for her, I don't know if we would have made it a priority. So get this, right? I'm getting dragged to church because my parents are forcing me to go, but my parents are getting dragged to church because they're getting forced to go by my grandmother. It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> and yet, I stand here before you today as a pastor. And I have to say that I really do appreciate how grandparents guilt their children and grandchildren <laughs> into coming to church. Because if it wasn't for that guilt, I won't think I would have an audience to preach to on Sundays. So thank you all very much. I really appreciate you spreading the guilt around. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to say or imply that none of you care about the church or that none of you believe. I've talked with TC about you all. I know that many of you do care about the church. I know that many of you do believe. What I am trying to say is that as an eighth grader, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know exactly what you're going to believe for the rest of your life about God, Jesus, and the church. In fact, many of the things that you believe right now on this day, they're going to change and morph a lot in the coming years. You want to know how I know that? Because I'm 39, I'm a pastor, and I can tell you right now that my beliefs about God, Jesus, and the church are shifting all the time. Which brings me back to the original question that I posed when I started this sermon, which is, what is the point of this process that you just went through over the last year? Well, if we went around this room and we asked everybody in here, I have a feeling that we would get a lot of different answers to that question. But I'm going to give you the answer that I think is appropriate, which is that I believe that you have gone through this process because it's supposed to kickstart one of the most important journeys that you will ever take in your life, which is that over the last eight months, you have started asking really, really difficult and important questions, and those are questions that you need to keep asking for the rest of your life. That's how I went from being a kid who didn't care at all about the church to becoming a pastor. I just kept asking those questions over and over again, and eventually, I was able, when I was old enough, to be able to find the answers for myself. But the primary question that I was asking myself for a long time is the primary question that you've been asking yourself throughout these classes, which is, do I want to become a Christian? Do I want to become a follower of Jesus? Because if we're being honest, isn't that kind of the core question? Yes? Would you agree, choir? Yeah, that's the core question. Would you agree out here? Yeah, that's kind of the core question, right? I mean, of all the questions that you've asked, and I know you've asked a lot of questions, that's the one that you're really trying to answer for yourself. Now, the reason why I eventually was able 
to say that I believe in Jesus and that I wanted to become a follower of Jesus is because I found that I had true faith and belief in Jesus's primary mission. Now, the question is, what is Jesus's primary mission? Again, if we went around this room, you get a lot of different answers to that question. Some people, some Christians might say that Jesus's primary mission was to save our souls so that we can gain access to heaven after we die. Now, for me, I will tell you personally, this is just my own beliefs, but I do not believe that that's why God sent Jesus. I do not believe that God sent Jesus so that we could have a golden ticket that would allow us to get into the pearly gates when we get up to see God. I just don't think of it that way. Why I believe God sent us Jesus is that Jesus is here to establish God's kingdom on earth. Why do I believe that? I believe that because in Mark's gospel, the first gospel that was written, these are the first words that Jesus speaks. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. First words he speaks, first words we get from Jesus' mouth about God's kingdom. So, I think we need to answer the question, what is God's kingdom? So, if we were to summarize this, very simply, God's kingdom is a world where Everybody has enough food to eat. Everybody has enough water to drink. Everybody has clothes on their back. Everybody has a roof over their head. Everybody's treated for their illnesses. Nobody is forgotten. How does this world get created? Well, it's created by human beings following God's way of life. So what's God's way of life? Well, God's way of life is found in the Gospels. And in the Gospels, you find Jesus' teaching. So if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus then what that means is that you are going to live according to Jesus' teachings, and a byproduct of that is that you will create God's kingdom on earth. Are you still with me? Are you following me? You haven't zoned out yet. I mean, I know some of you have, but have you, are you with me? Kind of. Okay. All right. So, what this tells us is that even though God's kingdom is something that is external, it's something that's very tangible, right? I mean, what did I just talk about? How did I define it? Is it tangibles, right? Food, water, shelter, clothing, medicine. These are all things that are tangible, are they not? Yes, they are. If you want to create that world, if you want those tangibles to become a reality, it starts with something inside of you first because you have to follow Jesus' teachings to create it. You have to go through a spiritual transformation on the inside if you want to create God's kingdom on the outside. You have to build God's kingdom in your heart first if you want to be able to create God's kingdom in the world. And this is what we see Jesus talking about in Luke's gospel. This is what he says. The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, right? Because it's about the tangibles. For in fact, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, this is perhaps one of the most important teachings that Jesus gives to us. One of the most important. Because what he's telling us in this scripture is how we create change in the world. And it's the exact opposite of what we are used to when it comes to creating change. We tend to think of change in terms of the tangibles, right? If we change our surroundings, then we think, well, we're going to change who we are. So, if I live in a beautiful house and I drive a beautiful car, and I wear beautiful clothes, and I sound intelligent, and I look put together, then clearly that's a reflection of who I am on the inside, isn't it? If you're beautiful on the outside, this is what we tend to think, you'll be beautiful on the inside. But what Jesus tells us is that, in fact, the opposite is true. Jesus comes up with this beautiful metaphor 
in the scriptures. I love this metaphor. Let's take a look at it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. Of all of the metaphors that Jesus uses, I actually think I like this one the most, because what he's saying is, is that you can look beautiful and stunning and put together on the outside like these tombs. So in the first century, they would make these beautiful tombs. Have you all been to a graveyard? And have you ever seen those, like, like the big mausoleums? I mean, the things that are just like stunning, right? So back in the day, they had similar things. And they would whitewash them, and they look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, what's inside of a tomb? A dead body, right? So what he's saying is you can look beautiful on the outside, but you can be dead on the inside. And I will tell you that I have found this to be true in my life. I have found this to be true with other people, that oftentimes the people who look the most put together on the outside, very often what you will find is that they tend to be the most empty on the inside. I think what Jesus's teachings on this tend to be true. So if you try to make the outside look beautiful, that does not necessarily mean the inside is going to change. In fact, the opposite is true, that if you want to make the outside beautiful, then you need to change the inside first. And Jesus has this really cool metaphor again. He uses this metaphor of the cup and the plate. For you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. First, clean the inside of the cup so that the outside also may become clean. When we only focus on the exterior, when we only focus on improving the things that people can see and we neglect our interior lives, then we become hypocrites. Now, what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite in ancient Greece was an actor. And literally it means to wear masks. That's what a hypocrite means, literally. Because in Greek theater, what would happen is the actor would put on a mask and that would allow them to hide the person who they were and they could become somebody else. Now, that word hypocrite, if I call you a hypocrite today, am I giving you a compliment? No, I am not. But back in the day, the word hypocrite, it was just an actor. So it didn't have a negative connotation. Jesus was the first person to associate a negative connotation with that word hypocrite. And what he means is, is that a hypocrite is someone who wears masks, a person who puts a mask on to hide the person who they are underneath, and they try to be somebody else on the outside. So the way you avoid being a hypocrite, the way you avoid wearing masks, is by focusing on your internal life. And that's essentially what you've been doing over the last eight months, since September. The whole goal is to help you begin this lifelong process of internal transformation. Now, why is this important? Well, you all are in eighth grade. You're about to be in ninth grade, right? Ninth grade is the beginning of what? It's the beginning of high school. And those next four years, you know they're important, right? All the grades you've made up to now, they don't matter. Don't matter. What starts to matter is that first year of high school and all the way through. Because if you make good grades, what's that mean? You're going to be able to get into a good college. If you get into a good college, what's that mean? You're going to be able to get a good job, right? Okay, they're, they're setting you up, right? They're setting you up to go down this road. And so I know that some of you, because you're getting there, some of you are starting to have the vision 
the vision of what your life's going to be like. You're going to go, you're going to get a good job. You're going to be able to drive a nice car, live in a nice house, be surrounded by nice things. But I need you to hear this one point. And if you take away nothing else that I say from this sermon, I need you to remember this, which is that if you truly want to have a whole and complete and fulfilling life, you have to have a rich inner spiritual life. That is so very important that you hear that. If you want to have a whole and complete, a well-rounded life, you have to have a rich inner spiritual life. What society is selling you right now is that if you do well and you get all these things, you'll be happy. And that is not true. You will be happy momentarily, absolutely, once you get that stuff. But in the long term, you need to have that rich inner spiritual life. And so in this way, you've been given a real gift through this process that you've been going through. You've been handed the keys to a truly meaningful and fulfilling life. All you have to do to attain that life is to continue the process that you began eight months ago. You just keep doing that. If you're willing to keep searching, if you're willing to keep asking those difficult questions, if you're willing to invest in that inner spiritual life, then over time, what you're going to find is you're going to make a huge impact on the world because as God transforms your heart to conform to kindness and love and generosity, then that exterior, outside world that you're trying to create, it's going to be a reflection of what's going on right in here. And isn't that the most important thing? Isn't that what you want? I mean, right now, I know you're concerned. What do people see? Work on it here first. And then what's going to happen is you're going to become that person on the outside. And I will tell you right now that people are drawn to that. That's what people want. They want people who are full of love and kindness and goodness. And when you do that, people will want to follow your example. And so I end this morning by saying that as you go down the road of determining, do I want to be a Christian? Do I want to be a follower of Jesus? I hope that you will remember that Jesus came to create God's kingdom and the kingdom begins with you. Your heart is how God creates the kingdom in the world. And so if you allow God to transform your heart, the rest is going to follow. The outside is going to be a reflection of the inside and it will be beautiful. And so my prayer for you today is that no matter where your faith journey may take you, that you might allow God to transform your heart to be the best of who God intended you to be. We are so happy that you are celebrating with us today, and it is a glorious moment for our church. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.